Welcome to the Restaurant Surgeon Podcast with your host, Ken Dudak. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the second episode of the Restaurant Surgeon. I'm your host, Ken Dudak. Today we're going to talk about coronavirus and some of the things that it's doing to the restaurant business. I'm going to do another interview with our restaurant um, surgeon, Chuck Villafranca. And, uh, but to get this show started, I want to go over a couple things that's really hurting our restaurant industry. And the National Restaurant Association is reporting that restaurants were one of the first businesses that were forced to close due to the, due to the, uh, the coronavirus outbreak in the U.S. And... Uh, Right now, it's one of the leading industries with permanent closures that are being announced on a daily basis. I'm not talking about restaurants that are closing temporarily. I'm talking about restaurants that are closing permanently. 3% of all restaurants have already announced that they're closing their doors forever, that they're not going to reopen after this ends. The National Restaurant Association is saying that that could jump as high as 11% in the next few weeks. So maybe that 3% of restaurants that were maybe struggling but now you're gonna have another eight percent of restaurants that are maybe weren't struggling that were doing pretty good but now this coronavirus shutdown is is what's going to destroy them and we need to really uh, figure out how to overcome that one out of every ten workers in America is a restaurant worker and you know our institution is important to this country we drive up real estate we drive up housing we are anchors in so many communities our businesses our restaurants our you know that place where you meet in your neighborhood um you know and and it's funny because every restaurant is adapting some kind of um every restaurant is adopting some kind of carry out or delivery model even if they've never had one before so there's a lot of things to learn there's a lot of things to understand um, you know and it's really sad that in our industry right now that 70% of operators have already laid off their workforce and there's a lot more going to occur and you know the restaurant uh, the National Restaurant Association believes that it could be as much as 7 million jobs lost overall in the restaurant industry if we don't get out of this this crisis pretty soon so there's are some very important things that we can do as restaurant owners and restaurant tours to fight through this coronavirus uh, pandemic and Try to survive, uh, get our businesses to survive. You know, we've um, launched an email address, the Restaurant Surgeon Podcast at gmail.com. And we'd like to, you know, take some more questions from our listeners out there. If you have a question for the Restaurant Surgeon, we'd like to answer them for you. And uh, there's a lot of different things that we're covering. And there might be something that you hear a snippet of and you want a little bit more detail. And we'd be really happy to expand on that. And that's what we're going to do today. We've had a couple emails from some of our listeners, and they want to know a little bit more about some some items. And we're going to get right into the interview today. We're going to get on uh, another interview with our restaurant surgeon, Chuck Villafranca. And that's going to be our show for today. We're going to talk a little bit more about our uh, the safety flyer and get into some, some operational costs. Okay, and we're going to go ahead and get on the phone here with Chuck Villafranca, our restaurant surgeon. Okay, well, I'm back here with the restaurant surgeon, Chuck Villafranca. Chuck, how you doing tonight? 
I'm doing good, Ken. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. Holding holding strong. Staying healthy. How's the family? Doing good? Everybody's doing good. It's just starting to get a little monotonous here, you know. I want to get out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what everybody does. Hey. I want to get back to life. This is nuts. <laughs> so, look, this is only our second podcast. You know, we've already gotten some really so good... I'm f- looking for spiders crawling up the walls to see if I can find anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, this is our second podcast. You know, we've gotten a lot of feedback on our first one, and I'm really excited about that. You know, I want to go over a couple a couple numbers with you that are uh, being reported by the National Restaurant Association um, and get your opinion on that. And I'm going to go into some questions that people have sent through our our email address at uh, restaurantsurgeonpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, the first one is I want to let you know that, you know, we talked about, you mentioned in our first podcast that, you know, some restaurants are just going to get out of this. You know, that's a good opportunity for them to, to get out if they've wanted to get out. But do you know that 3% of all restaurants have already announced they're closing their doors forever? The National Restaurant you know, And I would imagine, that. Ken, that those 3% are what we talked about in the first podcast. The week-to-week waiting for those Friday and Saturday night sales uh, to pay payroll and to pay their vendors. That's probably your 3% or a portion of that 3% that just said, I'm done, you know, and it's hard. It it gets depressing for these people. They work their tail off. They're not making money. And the restaurant business, I don't care what anybody says, it is the most underappreciated, hardest work out there. Right. And well, Here's where we need to get into our conversation today is that the National Restaurant Association is saying that that number can jump as high as 11% in just the next few weeks. And and now that's, yeah, that's where we need to talk because, okay, maybe that 3%. And, you know, Ken, I can see that because it's going to start to snowball. Right. We talked about maybe that 3% is that initial group of restaurants that, okay, I'm, I've had enough, you know, let's move on. But now how do we save that um, 8% that's trying to hold on? You know, and I got and some. Ken, what is what is the first thing people cut out when they don't have enough money? It's mm-hmm. entertainment, restaurants being one of them. So your families and your people that are getting laid off. You had mentioned that seven million jobs have been lost already in, in just a month. Now you take them seven million people that are not getting paid anymore, and if their employers are not able to get that money from the banks to pay them. They're not going to be buying out. They're just not. Right. Well, let me just let me be a little more accurate with that number. That seven million jobs, Chuck. That's just the restaurant industry alone. Seven million restaurant industry jobs. That's not any other business out there, hairstylists or anything like that. That is specific to restaurants, and that's crazy, isn't it? It's absolutely. You know what do you what do you say to that number? I don't. What that's that's where they're projecting it right now. As we we are talking right now. And it is literally, there's already been 3 million people laid off in the restaurant business alone already. Isn't that, it's just, it's staggering to think about that, you know? I mean, restaurants, what are restaurants? You know, Ken, it, it's, you hate to say this, but we guys got to get back to work. Yeah. We just got to open up the country and let people be free. If they want to stay home, great. If they want to go out, great. If they want to sit in a full restaurant, that's their choice. Things need to change because it's going to snowball to the point right. of no return. Yeah, because rest, restaurants drive, we drive the economy too. I mean, one out of every 10 workers is in the restaurant business. Yep. You know, and so let's let's refocus. Let's revisit a couple things from that first podcast. You, you had talked about, uh, you know, some things that restaurants can do to kind of weather this 
this coronavirus pandemic. And I got some emails, a couple questions that I want to throw at you and see uh, where we can go with that. And uh, we can revisit a couple things. And I think some of these are really good questions. So why don't we start off with one um, from Ed from, uh, he's from East Aurora, New York. And Ed uh, really appreciates the, the podcast. And he said, uh, you know, he wants to know what details should he include in his safety flyer for his restaurant. What would you suggest? Like, what details, other than what you talked about on the last podcast? Can you revisit that for us? All right. Now, we talked about making a safety flyer. And the first thing I would have on the safety flyers, I would, I would go to the FDA website and I would copy the article or you know, put a link on there, you know, put a web address on there where the consumer can go look it up where they are not tying this to food being in your stomach, being cooked. There's been no reports and no cases to this point on people eating the coronavirus and getting sick. So putting that on the top header, right coming from the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, that there are no cases, is going to ease the pain to the customer a little bit. And then the second thing I would do is I would lay out everything that we're doing in the restaurant. Okay. Now, because we have takeout and businesses down, we have one chef on. One chef is preparing your meals and only one chef. There's not two or three cooks handling your food. One guy. And our chef comes in and we take his temperature. Our chef finishes the meal. He removes those gloves where he puts them on, removes those gloves. And then the person, there's one server that's putting the package together. She comes in with her gloves and she packages that meal. And therefore, it goes out in that kind of a manner. Should the restaurant staff wear, would you suggest that restaurant staff wear masks and put that in your flyer too? Well, you know what? That you could do that, I guess, right now temporarily because it's being advertised all over TV. Right. That the mask does help the person not spread the virus. So you could put that in the flyer, I guess. If you don't, that's. A, I mean, people are going to feel different about that. Right. You know, I may look at that differently than you might. So. Right, because some people think the mask is to protect you or is it to protect somebody else? You know what I mean? So, I mean, obviously. Yeah, or or are you sick? I I mean, that's a a tough one, but I don't think that one really is going to hurt you. Yeah, I think now with the masks, people are, everybody's wearing them now. It's almost becoming commonplace, you know? Right, we're used to looking at TV. Right at the third world countries with the masks on. Now right, we have them. Or, or or you see someone with a mask, you think, oh my goodness, that person's sick. And outside of this coronavirus, you know what I mean? Outside of that, okay, now another, it's like, oh god, thing another I would person. Do on the on the <laughs> safety end of it is not to interrupt you. I apologize for that. No, you're okay. Is in between every meal, we re-sanitize all counters, utensils, and we have fifteen sets of utensils, and we're using a brand new set of utensils sanitized for every order cooked. Our hands are washed. Gloves are changed for every new meal made. And then incorporate all those things that you're doing. Like you're only taking credit cards. You're not accepting cash due to the money transfer. 
and that's gonna that's gonna actually help because if you're not taking money, I cannot imagine how much of that coronavirus could be transferred through money. Right. And people don't think of that. They take their money because it's something we need, something we have to have to live. So we take that money, not thinking, put it in the register. And, you know, all it takes is one person forgetting to wash their hands at that point. Right. And, so, and money is already supposed to be one of the grossest things to touch outside of this whole thing to begin with. Like, have you ever seen anything on that? People handle yeah. that money and how many times it changes hands. Right. So I would definitely, definitely have in there that we're only accepting credit cards through this coronavirus. Now you're looking like, so just flyer be like a full page, like an eight and a half by 11, or should this be like a half page type of a quick thing that you put out? You know, should... I would make it a bullet point flyer. Yeah. It'd be a half page. You could put a lot on there in a half page. You don't want to overwhelm it. Right. You know, you just want to hit all the bullet points on the main things that could transfer the virus. Right. I think someone that someone can glance at and look at and pick up a couple key points because no one's going to read a book. You know, they're not going to read something in detail. You know, because if you put too much on there, now it's going to scare them away. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. So you don't want you don't want too much on there as well. Right. So you're still a proponent of that safety flyer, and I and I like that. That's that's great. That's great. Are you ready to move on to another question, or do you want to talk about safety flyer a little bit more? No, that's good. You know, and they could put anything else that they might want in there that they're currently, you know, doing to prevent the transfer. Okay. We can move on to the next question. Okay. Because this one, the money now too, right? Yeah, and this one I know is one of your favorite topics, and we're going to talk about operational costs. So, Janet is a manager in Amherst, and uh, she runs a small little uh, cafe. And she and she you know she's getting new into some of the um, takeout. You know she's one of the places that you know some restaurants don't have takeout and now they're doing it. But she wants to know what is the best way to go about decreasing operational costs, like you know pet con- pest control, or just really costs overall. Like what can she do to hone in on her operational costs because of her, you know, because of all this going on. All right, so let's talk now. Just not a small cafe, but. Uh, I'm sorry, what did you say her name was, Ken? Janet. Janet, okay, so Janet has a smaller operation, uh, according to how you're explaining it to me. But let's talk um, anywhere from a 20-seat restaurant to a 300-seat restaurant. And then Janet could take out of here what applies to her. I would get on the phone with my electric company, gas company, and I would see what they could do for me to defer and keep my electric and my gas on. And what is the lowest amount I can pay you? If my electric bill was running $3,000 a month, what is the minimum that that electric company can take? Let's call all your main utility companies that you have to have to run your business and see what we can get deferred. Then I would talk to my landlord or my mortgage company if I own or if I rent and I would do the same there because if you go out of business, they're not going to be able to rent that to another restaurant when this ends. So they're not going to want to lose you either. Right. So it's better, it's better for your, the landlord to lose two months of rent than the next two years of rent. So I would imagine in most cases that that landlord will work with you. Good point. Yes. And I would get on the phone with, with, with them immediately. Uh, this is after pounding to get that money, to get that help from the government. 
And then I would say, okay, do I have a TV? I don't need a TV right now. Can I cut my cable bill out? You know, in some cases you have internet, phone, and your TV all connected together. Right, like a sports um, bar that has like 25 televisions is probably paying an astronomical cost for their cable or satellite or whatever they're using. That's a good point. Right, maybe it's time just to have the internet and phone. Right. For now. And, yep. You know, until this, until this ends. And see if you can get that down. Uh, we talked about paper products and takeoff products and checking your taxes. Uh, dish machine. Now, a lot of people run a lease. There's companies out there like Autoclore that you're getting charged monthly right. on, on a dish machine lease. I would call them. And if they don't want to work with you, then they're not going to come and haul your dish machine out of there during a coronavirus. And they're not going to be they're not going to be a company that can close you down. So maybe you just stop paying them for a little while. Right, because if you're not having the yeah, because if you don't have the inside dining and you're doing mostly takeout, you're right. you're not using that dish machine a lot. You can set up a three bay sink and wash exactly. correctly, yeah, and do the so same that's thing. That's an expense that could probably be uh, cut out. Like you said, you got to wash it by hand. You wash it by hand. You make sure you're using a sanitized soap. Mm-hmm. Then all your staff that's doing the dishes, they're automatically sanitizing their hands. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, trash removal. And grease removal, mm-hmm. maybe cut them back. If you're getting your grease pulled once a month, go to two months. If you're getting your garbage twice a week, go to once a week or every other week. Uh, now, I know that some states probably have a law on recyclables, but if you don't have a law on recyclables, get rid of your recyclable uh, container. Uh, your food environment people are not going to like that. Not your food oh, environment, yeah. but your <laughs> yeah, your, they're not going to like that, and they might be a little bit mad, but it's just temporary. Right. To help you get through this, you know, this craziness, right? Your credit cards. I would look into merchant. I would check my merchant bill and my credit cards, and I would see what I've been paying. And in many, many cases, you could switch merchants and save a thousand a month. And now that you're going to be taking all credit cards, these merchant companies are going to want your business even more. Okay, can you? They know. Can you go into more detail on that? Go into more detail on that. What do you mean switch? switch their their credit card carrier well i had uh, one of my clients was paying fifty seven hundred dollars a month in merchant charges oh my gosh i know right and he wow i can i forget the name of the company i can look it up in my records but i don't have time to do that for this phone call but he was he was doing about a hundred thirty thousand dollars a month in credit card sales right now, you have all these different cards that charge all these different rates and it's a dime per transaction and 4% and you know, it's 30 bucks a month. And it just, it gets crazy on those reports. So there's a company out there called, uh, EMS merchants and they guarantee that they could save you a thousand dollars a month on your merchant here. That's minimum. So I had them come in and we did a complete audit. And my client went from 5700 to 2800 Do the math on that. That's $2,900 a month that we put into the operator's pocket. And it was guaranteed. That, that cost was guaranteed based on his volume. I mean, if his volume went to 160 it might go to 32 but then the other company would have went to 62 Right. So right. that's a great 
place to look. Uh, hood cleaning. Although hood cleaning is very, very important, if you're scheduled every six months, you could put that off temporarily. Uh, if you're paying an accountant, temporarily you should be able to put that off for a little bit or, or talk to him or her and see what you can work out with them. All right. If you're doing any advertising, I would, I would hone that in to just your takeout meals, doing your advertising and your promotions through your takeouts, putting everything into the takeout bag. So you don't think, so customers. you don't think restaurants should like take out a radio ad or do print ad and say, Hey, you know, well, the only thing, the only problem with uh, marketing on radio and TV is you have take, take a hundred percent of your Buffalo, New York, right? Mm-hmm. 97% of Buffalo, New York is not coming to your restaurant on a regular basis. If they're driving by, they may stop in. Your business is coming from three miles all the way around right. your restaurant, which is 12 square miles. That's where all your regulars are coming from. So when you're putting all that money out in radio advertisement, you're advertising to 97% of the community. It's probably not going to come anyway, especially now. Right. So Right, you're right. You know, radio... And TV, it's a real high cost. It's more for the chains, you know? Do, yeah. I would do, yeah, I would do direct marketing right now. Yeah. I and mean, if you right had 20 locations in the metro area, that's different. <laughs> you know right what I mean? Now, yeah. If you have any anybody maintaining your equipment, it comes in and they clean it and they, you know, they vacuum out the filters and things like that. I would have an employee do that. And I would cut that expense out. If you have a window cleaner, I'd cut that out, right? I would do whatever I can to cut every expense linen company. Obviously you don't need linens anymore. If you, if you're working with a linen company, we talked about your insurance, your liability insurance, because your sales are dropping drastically. That's a big one. Your merchants, a big one. Pest control too, maybe, maybe Pest not as control, much. And yeah. They're relatively inexpensive. Yeah. And you probably want to, you know, you probably want to keep that due to the, you know, you might even want to put that on your safety flyer that you're keeping your pest control yeah yeah there you go <laughs> can you imagine that yeah we're protecting against coronavirus but all these rats in the back of the building you know they're okay you know, too I wouldn't be buying any smallwares <laughs> and flatwares and right that's know, a good point i would i would just i would work my inventory down the best that i possibly could pos system to... yeah if you pay your pos system you know, because you have, you know, five terminals and you pay per terminal, maybe cut those in half or something. You can do that, too. Well, you see that's a contract where you're paying like 200 a month for all five, whether right. it's whether you're using them or not. But would it hurt to call them, though, and say, hey, listen, I'm only using one. Can you set me up? Or you could think about it this way and call them and ask them for some Internet support. Like, how can I make if you don't have online ordering? Right. A lot of these modern systems can be programmed if you don't have that package right. to get into online ordering now. And now DoorDash actually announced that they're cutting their commissions in half to help restaurants too. So if you're not a DoorDash customer, they should look into the DoorDash and the Grubhubs and stuff because they're actually working with the restaurants right now. All right. So let's get off the operating expenses. Let's start talking about sales. Okay. And what we can do to increase some sales for takeout. And lower some food cost in that takeout area. All right. So what we want to do is, it, like, 
if you're let's come up with loyalty programs, right? Collect emails and phone numbers for these people call in if they're willing to give them. And if they order four times during the course of the week, then all they got to do is give you their email. It can be simple. You just have a sheet of paper right by the register, write their email down. You can do those little check marks. And once they get to five with that email address, they get a, a free $10 meal, which is only costing you 35 or $3.50 if you're running a 35% food cost. There you go. I like that idea. Right? You could put that due to the coronavirus, we're giving a 10% discount on every order to offset the credit card sale because now your customer is going to have to pay a little bit more money. You know how you use your debit card, debit card, they charge you in your bank. Okay. So you can just say, we're taking 10% off every order because we're taking credit cards and we know that your purchase, your cost is going to go up in your bank. Oh, you mean like like if they got a, um, you mean if they're paying like a percentage like a... Yeah, like I know that you know around twenty one dollars a month comes out of my bank for debit card usage or whatever, whatever right. the fee is. It's you know you get money taken out. Right. I maybe, would do. Maybe you need to find I a new do, bank. <laughs> but, my well, bank doesn't do that. Most banks will encourage you to use debit card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good idea. <laughs> I think you we're know, talking about like regular credit cards where you're going to pay a interest rate, right? I'm talking about yeah, that. Yeah, with a regular yeah. credit card, you'll pay, you'll pay interest, yeah. so it helps with that, too. I would take a bunch of box lunches, 50, 75, and I would take them to my local hospital with a stack of menus. And I would feed them to a free lunch, get your food out there, let them eat it. They're going to appreciate that. You're donating it. Uh, it's a write-off. And they're going to appreciate the thought. And then they're going to think of you next time they get hungry and want to order out. There you go. Law I would do the same for law enforcement and fire halls. Just bring them some free meals. Get your menus out there into into the necessity businesses that have to operate. Right. It's not going to cost you a ton of money. That's what I mean by your direct marketing. Yeah, and what's important too is that you know because there's so many restaurants that are closed, people are going to try you for the first time, and if they're going to try you through takeout. It should be something that they're going to remember and be like, the day that you open back up and somewhere look for somewhere to go and have dinner, they're going to think of you because of how good you were just for takeout. Right, and that, you know, and if you, uh, I don't know, maybe get some magnets done up, right, with your phone number, address, and put a magnet in every takeout meal. Right. So, put a yeah, repeat order like make a business card or something, or where. A repeat order deal where if they call you back and they order again, they get something. I don't know, a dessert. I mean, be creative. You can you can yeah. give anything away that's reasonable. It's not going to cost you a lot of money. And I think what's important what's, is, what's, yeah, what's important too is letting people know that you're open. Like I like uh, last night, I just wanted to order some chicken wings. And I literally called four different places to try to get through and – it's almost impossible to find who's even open. You got It's like a shooting a, a dart with your eyes closed kind of a deal, you know? And, and this is where these restaurants are struggling. And right. this is why their prediction of 11% of these restaurants are going to go down. I saw on a couple of news shows, I'm not going to say the news channels with all the political crap that's out there today, but they had the restaurant profit guy 
and they had the other restaurant guy. They both have TV shows. I always forget the one one guy's name. And they're talking about once we reopen what these restaurants should do, like separating their tables, the way they sanitize. Well, wait a minute. Where's the advice on these TV show professionals on what they can do right now? Not when they reopen, because they may not reopen. So what can they do right now? So I would put any kind of like business cards in there that it's a repeat order. I would I would go to a regular French fry. If I'm buying a $35 French fry, crispy coat or skin on private reserve lamb Wesson fry, I would go to a basic standard fry. I don't think many people are really going to care right now that you're changed French fries. I would call my Pepsi people or Coca-Cola and I would talk to them about getting, you could get money back per gallon. If you ask, they will give. Especially if you decide you're going to change. If Coca-Cola is not going to help you, go to Pepsi. Pepsi is not going to help you, go to Coca-Cola. Because for the new business, they're going to give you the, the world. We got one of my clients on the con- he was high volume now. He was a $2.4 million a year restaurant. And he was not on contract pricing with Coca-Cola. And we got him immediately on contract pricing, saved $8 for a five pound syrup jug. Secondly, he got $1.75 back per gallon, $8.75 more rebate every three months, direct deposit in his bank account. So he got $16.75 off every jug once we negotiated with Coca-Cola. Huge money. Huge money sitting there. Now, if you're only going through a jug a week, well, it's probably they're probably not going to help you much. But it's worth a phone call. Everything is worth a phone call. I would change my frying oil if I'm buying a $30 oil for the time being, even if I had to change it a little bit more. Right. So wait, can I revisit that the Pepsi Coca Cola thing? Now, if somebody has Pepsi, you think that can they just switch over anytime they want? Is that how that works? Do you have to send a contract Let's, with them normally? You know, these contracts with food vendors, it's kind of like a handshake agreement, if you will. Like contract with quotes, right? Think quotes. about think about a Cisco or a Coca Cola or a Pepsi coming after a local restaurant right now. To hurt them yeah. during this, think right. of the damage it would do to their business. I mean, they're not, I've had plenty of restaurants, not my personal restaurants, my clients, switch over that were on contracts. You know, they'll try to bring it up, you're on contract, they'll try to scare you, but nothing ever happens. Right. And that's just my experience. Very good. So I would do, you know, I'd maybe give a free two liter uh, Pepsi or Coke, right, or squirt or orange or something. Surprise the guy every time they order. Just throw a two liter pop in there. All right, let me throw another question at you that I seen the other. When I picked up my uh, chicken wings yesterday, the the little pizza place I went to was very unique. They had three big soda uh, coolers, and in one cooler they had all cans. The next cooler, they had all 20-ounce bottles. And in the other cooler, they had two liters. So you could buy a can, a 20-ounce, and a two-liter. Taking up a pretty good amount of space in the front of their establishment, but they didn't have any any fountain drinks. 
What do you think about that? What's just your general opinion on that one? Just for an interesting well, conversation. The the restaurant themselves are not making as much on the products in the coolers, the two liters, the twenty ounces, and the cans, right? As they are, as they would be making on your fountain. Period. It's less profit for the restaurant. So, if you were in there as a consultant, what would, what would you tell them? Would you actually address that, or would you be like, "Well, if it works for you," I mean, what would you like? What would you do? I just want to. I would probably, in the beginning, if I was making a change, if I was opening up a new restaurant, I would just have my fountain. But if I already had that and I was going to change, I would have them both for a while and slowly take them away. You don't want to jolt customers because people that like it, they're going to come in and all of a sudden you don't have it. That could be the reason why they don't come back. Right. I mean, people are funny sometimes. So, and you could always. And talk to your customers. Hey, look, I'm going to be getting rid of that. Does it really bother you if I get rid of that? Well, you know, hey, I really like the squirt, you know. Well, keep a six-pack of squirt in for when that customer comes in. Right. And go to the back and get it for them. Right, because that is one thing. They had a ton of choices. I mean, holy cow. Like, if you – everything you could think of made by the certain vendor, you could, you could get. You know, it was like, wow, everything. You know, we're just – maybe that's why they do it, to be honest with you, because it gives – maybe it's a selection thing. I don't know. You know, I haven't seen it elsewhere. This is the one place I saw that the other day. I was wondering, they have cans, bottles, and two liters. That's weird. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Here's, here's another idea, right? In your takeout orders, mm-hmm. send out some free samples to every takeout order of a different menu item. There you go. You'll let, you'll be, all, right. all of a sudden, the meal shows up and they got an extra sub in there. Or it's a new item you're promoting. Maybe it's a orange mango salad with walnuts. I don't know. Just whatever. Just there's my whatever word again. I love using that word. <laughs> okay. Well, we got to wrap it up, Chuck. This is, we're getting to the end of this podcast. We'll pick up. All right. One last thing. One last we'll thing, it. and I got a one last thing, and I got an interesting question for you. Go, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> if you're accepting people coming in your restaurant to pick up their takeout, have a basket of discounts. Where people could reach in, mix it around, you know, make sure there's a box of gloves here. They got to put a glove on first. And then they reach in and they pull out a discount. Maybe it's a free pizza. Maybe it's a free this or 20% off or buy one, get one free lunch. Whatever. You have a basket of discounts. Okay. Yeah, just, you know, make it fun. Make them come back. Right. Because if they get the free pizza, they're coming back next time. I'm gonna maybe I'll get another free pizza. <laughs> you mean like have one free pizza and they're not like ten free pizzas? <laughs> well, yeah, you, you make it right. You, you know, <laughs> I get it. That's a, that's an interesting know. idea. And they're gonna tell people about it. Hey, if you go over to that place, they got this basket of discounts inside. Right. You know, so if you got five hundred little tickets in there, right? Yeah. You know, two hundred and fifty of them are a free twenty ounce pop. <laughs> right. Well, you know, what else? And you have a couple, you have some good ones in there too, you know? Right. And let's, I'm going to tease our next podcast. Maybe we should get into the menu. We're talking a lot about different things to provide. Maybe we do that on our next podcast. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, sounds good. Great to me. We're going to just focus all on menus. All right. So I have a question for you. This is more of a fun type of, uh, let's, let's ask the restaurant uh, surgeon here. Right now, Chuck, because of all the social distancing and everybody's at home, uh, the America, America, Okay, most Americans, they are cooking on average of 21 meals a week. What we want to know, 
is what is the restaurant surgeon cooking at home? What's 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 your typical? Uh, what do you like to cook at home? Are you just opening up a box of uh, mac and cheese, or are you actually cooking up something interesting? What do you what did you what are you having for dinner? <laughs> it's funny <laughs> that you should ask that question. The you know two days ago we had I had uh, New York strips, center cut strips, with a baked potato and corn. Mm-hmm. Today we had. You know, the product that I'm working on for the seasonal restaurants, mm-hmm. we had that today. Okay. On our, I'm, we're going to go into a podcast on that, mm-hmm. but that went on a summer type meal. Oh, okay. That was what we had for lunch today. For dinner today, I made the hamburger helper beef stroganoff. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to use I had to use up the ground beef. Ground beef, yeah. Because I pulled some out for the seasonal item I make. Right. So I had to finish that ground beef and I had two boxes of hamburger uh stroganoff helper. And then before we had the steak meal, I made a tuna salad with Hellman's mayo, a little salt pepper, uh bow tie pasta. Six little cans of tuna. I threw in some peas, you know, some frozen peas, and we had a nice tuna salad with fresh Italian bread. So, you know, then I'll make pasta sauce with Italian sausage. So we're eating too much, probably. Yeah, that's what they're saying. That people are eating too much. I'm eating too. That's crazy. You know. Well, I love to cook. That's why I don't order out. Right. Because I cook, and it's like just ordering out to, you know, Right, restaurant. right. People, you know, it's funny because someone will go out and they'll spend thirty, forty dollars to go out, you know, to take out when you can go to the store and if you have any kind of cooking skills, you can make a home a decent meal. But I think well, what's happening in America, if you look at this, Chuck, right now, is because the restaurant industry is so, you know, big, people don't cook at home anymore, probably. You know, <laughs> so we don't want to get too used to it, right? If we're in a restaurant business, well, the, family, the family meals <laughs> of the old days, sitting down at five o'clock and having a family meal, those days went away. Yeah, from the 50s, 60s, and 70s to where it went to the six billion dollar takeout meals that are going on in the right. industry. Right, and I think some of that, some of that's going to come back, but not right away because these parents. I'd be so glad to get rid of their kids when this is over. Yeah. Back to school. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up another one of our podcasts, Chuck. Chuck, you are the restaurant surgeon. Really appreciate. I really appreciate your time this evening, and uh, we're definitely going to get get these going. We'd like to get out at least three a week so that we can keep our restaurants uh, informed. And uh, I can't wait till we can get out of this crisis so we can really start digging into ways that restaurants can really fix. Issues that we yes. have on a regular basis that we haven't even got into any of that stuff. We're just trying to get these guys out of the crisis, you know. So appreciate your your input, and uh, really look forward to the next time we talk. Yeah, and like I said, next time we'll focus completely on menu, menu pricing, uh, new seasonal items. You know, we're coming into the spring season, so we'll talk about some seasonal items that they can do. Outstanding. All right. And, uh, use up their inventory. Maybe they got some inventory there that we could yep. uh, help them get rid of awesome. some new recipe ideas. Sounds good. All right, Chuck, you have a great night, and we'll talk to you in a couple days. Oh, and right. uh, we'll get some more questions for you too, okay? <laughs> yes. Those emails will probably keep coming if they listen to the next one here. All right. Have a good night. All right, kiddo. All right.
Well, thank you for listening to the second episode of the Restaurant Surgeon Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Dudak. Our email address is therestaurantsurgeonpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions. Send us your feedback of the show. We'd really like to hear it. We are a new podcast, so we're looking to really make this podcast awesome for all of our restaurant owners. We want to give you real information, real scenarios, real things to help you get your restaurant out of this crisis. But in the future, too, once this is all over, we want to continue to help restaurants surgically fix their um, operations and make their operations as strong and as profitable as possible. Again, I'm Ken Dudek. This is the Restaurant Surgeon Podcast. You guys have a great day, and thank you for your time.